Lystra was hardly an appealing stop on the itinerary of Paul's second missionary journey. Not very long before, no more than a year or two, he suffered such a severe stoning at the hands of the local people in Lystra that most assumed he was dead. But as we can read in Acts 16, 1 and 2, Paul returned to that very place. And in that place, we read in those verses, he met a young man. His name was Timotheus, or Timothy. Paul learned something about the young man's family. He learned that his mother, whose name we learn in our text was Eunice, was of Jewish descent. She was a Jewess, but that she was a convert to Christianity, no doubt through the influence of her mother, whose name was Lois. Timothy's father was a Greek, a Gentile, and of his spiritual condition we know practically nothing. So it was, in that sense, a mixed marriage after the fact. They lived in a pagan culture in a culture of idolatry. But in that culture, Timothy's mother took her responsibilities seriously about the rearing of her son for God. And let that fact encourage our mothers today. You live in a pagan culture as well. Maybe not with idol temples, at least not commonly so, but the leaders of our national government have sold themselves to promote perversion beyond anything we have seen before. But you can still discharge your responsibilities before God. Eunice gave her son a name at his birth that was a prophecy of his life. His name means, I honor God. From the earliest days of Timothy's life, he heard the reading of the Hebrew scriptures in his house. I don't mean after he lived a year or two, but from the very earliest days, his mother and his grandmother took seriously the exhortations in the scriptures that the word of God should be their constant companion. And again, we're talking about the Hebrew scriptures here, about the Old Testament. It was from those scriptures that young Timothy learned about the creation of the world. So Timothy, even as a boy, was way ahead of many professing believers and scholars of our time. He knew the truth 
about how the world began. It was not a mystery to him. He learned about the deliverance of the children of Israel, remembering that his mother was a Jewess. He learned about the deliverance of the children of Israel from their bondage in Egypt. He learned about David's victory over Goliath. He learned about Solomon's temple, of which we spoke recently. And he heard about the promised Messiah and the sufferings he had to endure to redeem his people from their iniquity. The word of God gave Timothy the knowledge of the way of salvation. And he followed in the path of his grandmother and his mother by trusting himself in the redemption of Christ. And many of the believers in Christ in that area of Lystra spoke very highly of this young man. And then his mother and his grandmother made what probably was one of the greatest sacrifices of their lives. They agreed that Timothy should join Paul and Silas and the other members of their little traveling party in their journey to preach the gospel. And unknown to them, it would lead Timothy across the sea to the west, the Aegean Sea, into Macedonia and into Achaia. It was not an easy thing for Lois and Eunice to kiss Timothy goodbye and to watch as that little traveling band made its way along the road to the west. Communication was not easy. Letters, such as they were, sometimes took weeks or months to arrive at their destination. It would be a long time before they saw Timothy again. But we don't read that they flinched at all or had second thoughts or wondered how it was going to work out. They trained Timothy to serve the Lord Christ from his earliest days and rejoiced to see in the calling of God on his life the fruition of their desires. Their faith bore fruit not only in their souls, but also in the soul of the one who was their offspring. Many years passed before Paul wrote the words of this epistle from a Roman prison to Timothy, his son in the faith. The aged apostle, as he wrote these words, faced execution by the Roman Empire for being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by that time, the time in which these words were written, his grandmother, Timothy's grandmother, no doubt was with Christ. 
and perhaps his mother Eunice as well. But still, the inspired apostle made mention of them and the important part they had in his upbringing. But when Paul came to write to Timothy, then an experienced minister of Christ, he reflected on those days when he met him for the first time. He remembered the character of those two ladies, Eunice and Lois. That character, the apostle knew, was a reflection of that unfeigned faith of which we read in our text. That faith that was in their hearts. And if every mother and grandmother in the church of Christ had the same testimony as those two ladies, the blessing to succeeding generations would not be able to be contained. To be known even after your departure from this world, as someone in whom there dwelled unfeigned faith should be enough reward for any mother, for any grandmother. Today we think of our mothers as it is most appropriate, and we give God special praise for those who have shown us the way of Children who have godly mothers have a treasure that not all the world's riches can give them. We are here to rejoice in the heritage that we have from godly mothers, a heritage of true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us consider mothers who follow Christ. Mother's Day has been part of the calendar in North America since 1910. So that's over 100 years now. In other parts of the world, like the United Kingdom, this day occurs at a different point in the calendar. But in North America, it is usually the second Sunday in May. It's a day for remembering the special way in which mothers, whether they are still with us or not, shape the lives of those they have brought into the world or those they have adopted. A bond exists between mothers and their children that defies description. A mother can never be objective about her children. Because she can remember the months of expectation. She can remember the joy of feeling that life within. She remembers the process of giving birth and the struggles that accompanied the first months of life. The lack of sleep. The challenge of reigning in the baby's depraved heart. She knows if she's wise that the little infant is not innocent. I testify again today that I am here serving Christ because my mother taught me the truth of the gospel. 
And she is one among billions who have done so. And we have known some of them and observed some of them in our midst in this church. Some we have known are now in the presence of the Lord. They demonstrated the unfeigned faith of which we read in our text. And they showed us it is fruitful to trust in the Savior. So here is a word today of encouragement to every mother and every prospective mother. Your work for Christ in bringing up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord is not in vain. There may be days when you think it is, but you will see the accomplishment of Christ's purpose as you are faithful. The best gift you can give to your children is the testimony of that unfeigned faith. Here's the warning in our text as well to fathers and those who hope to be fathers. Learn to value in a prospective wife and in a mother what is spiritual. And rejoice in the testimony of a woman who is sold out to Jesus Christ. When we think of mothers who follow Christ, there are four things about them we want to observe today. And first is their honesty. Their honesty. Their faith, we read in our text, is unfeigned. It's a striking word. It's a word that means unhypocritical. And to catch the force of it, let us look at James 3 and verse 17. James 3 and verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and here comes the word, without Hypocrisy, that is, unfeigned. The word that we translate as hypocrite is really a transliteration from the original language, Hippocrates, and it's the word for an actor. It means, literally, to answer from under the mask. In Greek theater, the actors wore masks, and not like the masks that we have become familiar with in the last year or so. They wore masks that were imposing structures that served, among other things, not only to project a character, but they were megaphones to amplify the voices of the actors in the large theaters that the Greeks 
built outdoors. Sometimes those theaters seated 5,000 people or more. And without any artificial means of amplification, the actors used their masks to make themselves heard. So the actors were the hypocrites. That is, they were the ones who spoke from under the masks. So to be unfeigned, to be unhypocritical, is to speak without a mask. It is to be open and honest. Many people feign faith. Let your faith be what is unfeigned. Sincere. Paul spoke about this kind of sincerity in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 12. For our rejoicing is this, that the testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you were. Godly sincerity. Now, how does that kind of sincerity arise? Because naturally, we are tending to be hypocritical. We are tending to speak from under the mask. This kind of sincerity of which the apostle wrote comes from the work of the Holy Spirit in your soul to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. It develops through your careful attention to the word of God daily. You see, that's the advantage Timothy had. His grandmother and his mother gave attention to the scriptures daily. They had a love that sprang out of a full heart, a heart the Lord touched. And so is the case with all mothers who possess this unfeigned faith. They don't pretend. They don't play act. They speak out of the work of the Spirit in their souls. They speak as those who know Christ themselves. And how does that sincere faith arise? Well, it's through another characteristic of mothers who follow Christ, their reliance, their honesty, their reliance. Because their faith is according to the word of God. We read of that legacy in this same epistle. And just across the page in the third chapter. And verse 14. The apostle writing again to Timothy. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. And hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child, literally from a newborn infant, 
Thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. How did Timothy know the scriptures? From his earliest days. Even from his infancy. Even, I argue, from his time in his mother's womb. Because the word for child here is the same word that's applied to the child that is unborn. When Mary visited Elizabeth, she said that the babe she was carrying leaped in her womb. The same word. So don't tell me, as the leaders of our national government tell me today, that the policy of our country ought to be to see how many of those unborn children can be slaughtered. Timothy knew the scriptures even before he was born. He heard the scriptures from his mother who knew the value and the power of God's word. So even before he was born, as Eunice was expecting his birth, the words of God echoed in the house. Eunice knew that the scriptures were inspired by God. And she knew, therefore, that the scriptures, speaking about the Hebrew scriptures, were distinct from any other writings in the history of the world, distinct from anything Plato wrote, or Socrates, or Aristotle, or anyone else. Timothy heard the words of the scriptures from his first days in the world. But his mother went beyond that reality. She caused her son not only to hear the words of Scripture, but also to know them. That is, she catechized him. She taught him. She instructed him. Hearing the words of God is a great blessing. Many people hear the words of God, but learning them, absorbing them into your heart, and remembering them is an even greater blessing. And what was so important about Timothy's mother making sure that her son knew the Holy Scriptures? She knew that the Scriptures, and we're talking again about the Old Testament, would bring him to understand the issues of salvation. She knew that they would make him wise. She knew that they would open his heart. She knew they would lead him to see the sufferings of Messiah as the only way in which he could know the forgiveness of his sins. So Timothy, from his earliest days, through the influence of his mother and his grandmother, learned that salvation was not a matter of being good or being better than others. It was a matter of believing in Messiah, believing in Jesus Christ, receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. And who taught him that truth? His mother taught it to him 
out of the Holy Scriptures. The lesson is clear. Let every mother bring her children to hear the words of God and to know them. For those words alone will make children wise unto salvation. But there's something else that we notice about mothers who follow Christ. Their separation. Their separation. Because the faith of Timothy's mother appeared in her holy living. In writing to Timothy previously, the inspired apostle spoke about the value of that heritage. Let's turn back to the first epistle to Timothy, chapter 1. Verse 5. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. Charity and a good conscience. The stress on a pure heart and a good conscience is linked then to unfeigned faith. Mothers must be models of that which is decent and upright. I think I should say that again. Mothers must be models of that which is decent and upright. One of the great curses in our society today is to see mothers who are trying to be clones of their children, especially their daughters. And I have had many occasions where I had to look a little more closely to see between a mother and a daughter which was the mother and which was the daughter. Today, it seems, mothers want to have a reputation not for uprightness, but for tawdriness. Well, you can be sure that Timothy's mother was not known in that way. In the midst of a pagan culture, an ungodly generation, her life reflected the work of the Spirit of God within her, and she showed by her example how a believer in Christ should live. So let mothers who follow Christ be models of holiness. 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. Verse 1. Likewise ye wives... Be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, by the manner of life of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation 
coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. Here's a model for mothers who follow Christ to observe. And there's one other characteristic of mothers who follow Christ. Their victory. Their victory. What they do, they don't do in vain. And again, as I said earlier, sometimes they may think, what's the use? It's not going the way I hoped. But it's not in vain. Mothers who follow Christ have confidence in Christ. There's an old saying that mothers are afraid or even anxious when their children undertake something they think is risky. But the saying is, even if they think that, they're not allowed to show that they think that way. But when it comes to the faith of mothers who follow Christ, they conduct themselves as conquerors. Whatever the reversals are, they are conquerors. Eunice's name means a good conquest. I think sometimes mothers may not consider themselves in that light as conquerors. They may think they're just holding on, hoping something works out. But where did Eunice find her victory? We find that in 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5. Verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. I'm glad that's in the Bible. Whatsoever is born of God. God has done his work of regeneration in you. Here's the statement of the Holy Ghost. You overcome the world. You're conquerors. That's the force of the expression overcoming. This is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. We live in times when I trust that testimony will be yours. When almost every day's news brings occasion for discouragement and despair. Where's the secret of victory? It is your faith. Faith in what? Faith in Christ. Mothers, that's where you find your confidence. You can be confident because of Christ. You can raise your children in this ungodly world without fear because of Christ. Because you believe in the mighty Redeemer. Here were Lois and Eunice. And they had this young child. And all around them 
was the evidence of idolatry and the immorality that always goes with idolatry. That was all around them. They didn't have to go looking for it. There was no internet, so they didn't have any way of searching for it anyway. All they had to do was go out in the street and they would see it. But they did not govern their lives by that pattern. They trusted in the mighty Redeemer. Well, they, they had not seen him in the flesh, but they trusted in him. And when Paul came to Lystra on that second missionary journey, and he met this young man who was probably about 16 years of age at the time, when he met him, he saw that here was the evidence of mothers who follow Christ. Let all our mothers be those who follow Christ. Let all our mothers be those for whom Christ has the first place in their lives. Because as soon as you shift that focus from Christ to your children and you make your children your focus, then you're on the road to disaster. They kept their focus upon Christ. And because of that faith in Christ, they were able to raise this child to be a believer in Christ himself, but more than that, to be a servant of Christ in the midst of that pagan culture. And ironically enough, he ended up as the minister of the church in Ephesus, which was one of the centers of that pagan culture in which Timothy grew up. And there he continued to hold forth the word of life. So mothers who follow Christ, don't be discouraged. Because there are going to be days when you think, where have I gone wrong? I've done my best to lead these people in the way of the Lord, and it seems to be going astray. Don't give up hope. Keep believing in the Redeemer. Because the Redeemer is not going to allow you to flounder. He will make your sacrifices to bear fruit, both now and long after you are gone from this world. So may God give us mothers who follow Christ, and may God give us children who learn to value the example of mothers who follow Christ.